Welcome to Beyond the Capital from Supertech and our brand new series. This year, the Commonwealth Games are coming to Birmingham. So to celebrate, we'll be doing our own baton relay. We're making virtual visits to as many of the Commonwealth countries as we can, exploring their startup and scale-up scenes. And we'll hear from UK-based businesses with Commonwealth connections. Beyond the Capital is the podcast series that explores the professional services tech scene outside of London. I'm Hilary Smith-Allen, long-standing champion of professional services in the regions. In this episode, we're exploring the tech and startup ecosystem in Nigeria. I spoke to Oyen Adebayo, the CEO and founder of Neo Enterprise, which is a social impact tech startup that empowers black women through boot camps and hair and beauty businesses. And to Faith Adeshimeo, the CEO and co-founder of Social Lender, a Lagos-based fintech company that uses social media reputation scoring to provide credit and financing solutions. Thanks for joining me this morning, ladies. Really excited for this conversation. Let's get straight into it. Oh, yeah. Do you want to introduce Neo Enterprises and what you're all about? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Hilary, for having me on this conversation. I'm super excited to share insights um, together with Faith. Um, so my name is Oyin Adebayo, full name Oyin Kosola Adebayo. I run an organization called Neo Enterprise, and we exist to um, build ecosystems that puts Black women at the center of it. And um, so our mission is to economically empower Black women through technology across the globe. There are two brands underneath the group, um, Neo Hair and Beauty and Neo Network. Neo Network is is all about using technology boot camps and programs to economically empower Black women. So we upskill them and then we recommend them to employers or if they want to go down the founder's route, we support them throughout that journey. Um, and Neo Hair and Beauty um, currently is an e-commerce platform that promotes healthy hair um, for all women across the globe. Um, but we're also building a technology platform to really um, enhance that. So that's a little bit about me. Thank you. I'm suddenly very aware of my hair as we're talking through this conversation. And Faith, tell us a little bit about your business. Ooh, I'm so different from me. So I think it's more like boring stuff from my own end. Um, I'm the CEO and co-founder of Social Reputation um, in the UK and Social Lender in Nigeria. So essentially what we've tried to do is we've used... Um, technology to be able to solve problems for people with um, little or no access to financial services. So the first thing you want to think about is why does this problem exist in the first place? So we're talking about where we started from Nigeria, Africa, where um, you have millions of people who don't have bank accounts who are obviously unbanked and then the ones who have bank accounts are hardly using the bank account. So got a horror stories of people keeping their money under their beds and things like that. And then the downside to this is the fact that if you wanted to walk into a bank um, to say that, oh, I just wanted maybe a small loan of maybe say 50 pounds or 100 pounds, nobody will give it to you because there's no track record of you. There's no history of you. And so what we decided to do is we just decided to digitize something that used to happen back in Africa like 100 years ago, where people who knew each other could vouch for themselves to say, well, I know this person and I think this person of good behavior. And so as a result, you know, this person should be able to get access to this loan. And so basically what we've tried to do now is we built an algorithm, takes a look at the individual gives you in the individual a, an alternative credit score 
And then with the alternative credit score, the individual can still come onto our platform and choose partners. So we have commercial banks on the platform. We don't have other services and then they choose whatever service they want. When we started, we started with um, just um, credit because it was the lowest hanging fruit. But we've now extended it to farmers, farm imputes and micro insurance. Fantastic. And my notes tell me that you have a health and tech aspect as well in your portfolio. Yes. So that's where the micro insurance comes in. Um, we're very particular about the fact that when you empower people and they do have resources, sometimes their health can take a toll on them um, and then it makes them spend extra monies that they probably didn't have in the first place, which was what you were trying to solve. And so we now have um, an insurance, a fire hazard, just like a small package that they can buy on a monthly basis um, on our platform. And obviously we're not a micro insurer. <laughs> we're just a facilitator of this movement and we, we score these individuals. They go to the platform. They don't have any paperwork to do. It's click, 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 and they have that insurance. So they're protected too as well. Oh, wow. There's so much in common. And Oyen, if I just come back to you a moment, you have deep roots as well and links with Africa. Yes. Tell us just to bring that to life for us, please. Originally Nigerian, I moved to the UK when I was 13. I've always wanted to go back and, you know, invest in my nation, Nigeria, and also invest in the wider of Africa because there's so much opportunity there. Recently, I um, decided that I wanted to become an investor in Future Africa. So I'm currently a, um, one of the investors in Future Africa. And what Future Africa does is that it really invests in startups um, that solves Africa's biggest problems. Aside from that, the work that we've been doing in Neo Network and Neo Heron Beauty, we're currently building a lot of relationships over there um, to make sure that we can facilitate that because we're able to solve the problem here. But there's a massive skills gap in Nigeria and there's a massive unemployment issue as well. So right now we're in the early days of looking at how we can expand what we do here, even into, into my day nation. So you both started to describe key aspects of the Nigerian and broader African environment. You've both worked in the West Midlands as well and be based here and seen that. What what do you see really as the key differences and perhaps some of the trends between those two different geographical locations? Well, yeah, I'll let you do this one first. <laughs> do you know what? Um, the differences are huge. There's, there's a huge difference. I think here in the UK and here in the West Midlands, um, although we could still do a lot more work in making sure that opportunities are widely spread, I think it's really easy to access opportunities without having to know somebody. Opportunities are reachable. Um, but I find that when I'm in Nigeria, you have to have key people of influence um, to be able to get you to do anything. Things are, uh, you know, a lot slower paced um, in, in Nigeria. Um, you know, the, the system is not as strong as it is here to really get things done. And so it's an interesting journey. So if you're willing to, to, to go down for a challenge, definitely, um, you know, go into the Nigeria market and, it will, you know, you reap so many good rewards. Aside from that, I think it's important for me to talk about the ease of doing business in the UK and the ease of doing business in Nigeria. The ease of doing business in Nigeria, from what I've learned so far, I mean, I'm still quite new to the business ecosystem, although I'm, I'm from there, I've, I've not really done business. It's it's very different. But what, what accelerates it is having the right people in your corner. People have to do things out of recommendation. I mean, Faith created a solution um, <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, there's, there's no structure around it. So you have to do things and by recommendation, because you you have to work on mostly trust, um, and so when you you know there's a lot of informal things still, the informal sector is still big, 
a lot of things are still not being formalised. So this is a really good opportunity for people who have solutions that can formalise the informal sector to really enter. There's more of a work-life balance in Nigeria. The, the best way to put it for me is people live life in Nigeria. And I find that here in the UK, there's not much of a work-life balance. Maybe the sunshine makes a difference. <laughs> yeah, but you'd be surprised a lot of Nigerians that actually like to be in the sun too much. Um, perhaps the sunshine makes a difference. And I think just generally there's a, there's a greater sense of community. That's why solutions like faith solutions can work because more people really value community. Um, you can go to your next door neighbor's house and ask for salt and it's not weird. But in the UK, you can't really <laughs> do that easily. So yeah, that's that's the stark difference that I've, I've definitely noticed. I think I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Um, <laughs> so Oyin spoken from her own point of view. I think the differences are huge, but the opportunities are slightly even more. I'll take, for instance, first, let's start with population. We're talking about 200 million people, and then you're talking about maybe the UK. Let's use the entire bit of UK, about 60 plus million. And so that stark difference by itself means that as an entrepreneur, if you get your act right properly, and if you are able to crack that very difficult nut, which is doing business in Nigeria, then you stand to make a lot of money. Obviously, Owen has also spoken about a regulated space and all that. Um, I think that the disruption that a lot of entrepreneurs like us are causing in the in the ecosystem is also bringing our government to, I wouldn't say their knees, but it's bringing our government to some sort of attention where they're now building sandboxes, you know, they're trying to catch up with us. And that gives the entrepreneurs an edge. So it's like um, the advantage of, you know, that first mover advantage. So from an entrepreneur point of view, it's amazing if you can get it right really quickly before the government catches up with you, so to speak. So that's one. Like I said, I'm going to play devil's advocate here with you. Um, and then the other one is the fact that when you look at the landscape, yes, uh, there's, I think Oyi now has a business in the UK, in Nigeria, because um, people don't have enough skills. And obviously, there's still a huge unemployment gap. The unemployment gap isn't something you can start to address too quickly because there are many factors, you know, that pull into that particular one. But the skills gap is something that, you know, one can begin to work on right now. However, you also need to think about the fact that economically, a lot of people are still very disadvantaged. We got very like a really high number of really poor people in Nigeria. And so how much are they able to afford of the skills training that they require? You know, so it means that lots of technology or lots of ideas around, you know, being able to help that skills skills gap would also include a huge amount of financing. And so I guess that's where I agree with you here, because obviously <laughs> somebody who earns, say, maybe... You'll be shocked. Somebody earns like uh, 60 pounds a month, you know, and there's a training that costs about 40 pounds. That person will not be able to afford it. And so that's one of the other huge differences, um, you know, that this whole entrepreneurial space and the entire um, technology space or the entire, you know, like employment space in Nigeria and Africa is different. And that's the reason why Faith has a business. What Faith has recently done is to bring her solution to the UK to help people who are find it very difficult to integrate into this ecosystem, um, to integrate easily. I'll explain how. 
someone like me or a new refugee or a new immigrant who's just come in for the first time, the truth is they came from a country, you know, where they're known, they have some sort of social standing and all of that. Why don't we import all of that data, you know, in a small, just into a small score that we can integrate with other banks? Sweet API is pretty simple. And then the banks are able to take a look at that person in addition to whatever traditional scores are. So I find it very amazing that I didn't need money of any sort, but I had to get a credit card. And the first time I had to get a credit card in this country, it was about 250 pounds. And so I'm talking about the UK now. And I didn't need it, but I needed to start to build my credit history. However, I do have a credit history from back home. And so what we're propositioning here in the UK is to be able to see how you can use what people already have existing, um, add it to what exists here in the UK and hopefully better their lives. Wow, that's fascinating. <laughs> Just in terms of the distribution of that, we, we call Beyond the Capital as a series because of the domination of the Southeast. And it's not a bad thing, but it's about that entrepreneurial activity can exist and exciting businesses can exist outside of uh, the south of the UK and that there's actually no link between demographics and sound business ideas is something that we're really passionate about. Is that something you see happening within Nigeria? Is the capital dominating? Is tech a leveler here or is it actually accelerating? Okay, so I'll go with that one. So I think that um, it's slightly different in, in Nigeria. A lot of the tech businesses are located in the city called Lagos. That's the honest truth. However, very quickly in the past three years or two years, what people have realized is that all over Nigeria, as long as you have internet connection, you can work in your business. You are able to do your connections. You're able to do whatever it is you want to do. And so more and more, you find that tech businesses are springing up in almost every part of the country, as long as that business has internet, really. So um, there's still a lot of concentration in Lagos, for instance, but it's gradually changing as more and more people are realizing that really they don't have to be in Lagos and all that, especially with the fact that the COVID-19 taught all of us, you know, really great lessons. And so I think COVID-19 pushed that particular change very quickly in a country like Nigeria. Of course, um, I'll leave Oyin to do more of the talking about um, the UK, but in that the Nigerian ecosystem, I don't see it being too much of a concentration you know, in just one place. There's obviously very fine cities everywhere, but truth is now a lot of people get jobs remotely. They work from anywhere, and you know, in the country. So it's less and less, you know, the um, digital nomad. Yes, <laughs> it's less and less. So hardly anybody knows where I am. So when somebody rings me now, like, what part of the country are you here? <laughs> what part of the world are you right now? Like, does it matter? I can get online and do this meeting. So you know, so I think all of that is also changing. I want your lifestyle, Faith. <laughs> you don't want to trust us too much work and let little pay <laughs> um i think i think just off the back of what faith said actually i i would like to actually speak about it from an uk perspective and a nigerian perspective and i think that um the experience or um the concentration is very much synonymous from my perspective um you find that it's not that there's not enough you know, tech businesses outside of London, for example, here in the UK, it's that it's just the London tech businesses that are being shouted most about. I mean, I was, I went on a walk with a friend who runs um, a company called Black Valley, 
And actually, he's based in Birmingham, but he was under the impression that he needed to network with London people and actually didn't know much about the Birmingham tech scene. So I said, actually, the, there is a Birmingham tech scene. It's just that we're probably not being shouted about. And from my observation so far in Nigeria as well, I think the same thing happens there as well, where the Lagos-based businesses or the Abuja-based businesses are being shouted about. But the last time I went, I met a lot of tech people who lived in Akure, which is another city. I met a lot of tech people who lived in Ibadan and very different places. But it's just more to do with the public relations, the PR of, of those tech businesses. Additionally, though, I, I think it's important for us to not ignore that because there's so much concentration of the tech businesses and the um, spotlight of tech businesses being in London and being in Lagos, for example, it means that all of the resources gets diverted to them. Um, and so some people are left behind. So last year I went to my hometown. I'm originally from a, a state called Ekiti State. My dad, my late dad, before he passed away, really served in that state and really built a lot of infrastructure in the state. But I remember speaking to the um, economic development commissioner of the state and saying, what can we do in Ikiti to increase the skill, like to, to bridge the skills gap? And he looked at me and said, look, you can't come and do the same boot camp that you do in the <laughs> West Midlands in Ikiti State. You have to start off with maybe something like building this, um, the basic, really basic IT skill set of the people so that they can become call center reps. And so there are different levels at different places um, and we have to make sure that we're addressing those problems. So maybe at some point we can come to that kind of like equal ground. And you could say the same thing here in the UK, maybe somebody that lives um, in, in Belfast or someone that lives in Liverpool, I don't want to discriminate, may not have the same skill set as someone who lives in London and maybe you could say in Manchester and Birmingham as the second and third city. So I think it still exists in both ecosystems of both countries. It's just about making sure that we're addressing those things. While only you were speaking, um, I just wanted to highlight something, something really important that I've noticed across, because I mean, I've got lots of people working under me. I've, you know, I've trained a lot of people, I've trained quite a number of people over the years of doing business. And I did notice that the Nigerian space, uh, when you have, when you talk about skills, we have, I mean, there's a skills gap to fill, but there's one other set of skills that a lot of people are not looking at, and it's soft skills, as skills also like writing the skills like communicating. You start to find out that, you know, some of the things I try to teach my team members, like, look, you know, when you send an email, you can't start somebody's name with a small letter. That is absurd, you know. You can't type in capital letters. You can't shout. That's shouting. You know, so those some those skills, uh, I think they're, they're very, they're very much missing in the Nigerian ecosystem, to be honest. I, I, it's appalling. Don't get me started on it. <laughs> you don't want to know it. But one, one of the things that's happened is as more and more people are getting into the tech space and then obviously communicating with external people like um, other stakeholders, investors, they're learning really quickly you know, how to do things. So I know somebody who's recently relocated to America and obviously takes pictures every day. I'm like, yeah, you'll calm down real soon, you know, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but what I see is that, you know, his posts now, he doesn't speak the way he was speaking 
before. You know, he speaks a lot more eloquently. And um, I, I also thought that that would be that was not going to be the case in the UK. But I, I think that it's it's also evident in the UK where you find that some people don't just know how to behave, you know, in the world of business and how to communicate properly. So I think those are um, the similarities I see. But I think it's more prevalent in Nigeria than in the UK or even in the Western lands. I think also just to add on to what Faith just mentioned, etiquette as well. I mean, mindset about work. Um, Nigerians are very hard, hard workers. Don't get me wrong. We work hard. But it, when it comes to actually the structure of how work is set up, I think that we could do a lot better in. We are very much principled people. Like in this country, we don't, we, you know, you wouldn't say good morning, morning to a stranger on the street. By the way, I'm in the UK. Like you wouldn't say good morning typically to a stranger in the street and it wouldn't be it wouldn't be rude. But in Nigeria, you say good morning. You know, you don't even say hi is sometimes rude, depending on who you're talking to, you know. And so although I agree with what Faith has said, I actually think also it might be a cultural difference as well that, you know, Nigerians have to adapt to. And also likewise, UK people, I mean, I went on a trade mission to Nigeria in October. And I, although I was, I'm, I'm brought up in a Nigerian home, I'm still very Westernized. And I remember, like, I had to, I, I was meeting some really influential people, the likes of Obiasika, the likes of Moabudu. And I was trained on, like, you can't say hello. You have to say good morning, good afternoon. Um, and you allow the person to be able to actually, you can tell me, you can call me this rather than call me Mr. This or Mr. That. So it, it really just depends. Um, I think it's cultural. That cultural intelligence, isn't it? It's yeah, cultural very intelligence. Very hard to teach, but has to be acquired. <laughs> and there are some bumps and barriers along the way, aren't there? From, exactly. And not trying to exclude people on the basis of not having that when they could have such potential and such great ideas. Absolutely. I just want to bring it to a little bit of a close and think about what's the biggest lesson you've learned? What would you like listeners to take away? What would you like to share and get off your chest as we just think about what you're up to in your life lessons in doing business in either the UK and or Nigeria? I think I will speak from, I'm a very strong woman advocate. I'm very strongly, um, you know, trying to help a lot of ladies come into this space um, and take their own seat at the table because that's something we don't see a lot of. And so I think my own biggest regret will be not speaking up as quickly as, as I should have. Um, I'm speaking up now, but I'm not, I didn't speak up um, as quickly as I should have. I was, I was very focused on just being able to come, not necessarily compete with the men, but just, you know, keep my seat at the table with the men. So it was pretty much of a struggle, you know, just being able to get in the room. So sometimes you would get into the room and the person would say, I, I mean, I did, I attended a meeting and he says, so where's your boss? I'm like, but I'm the boss here. He's like, <laughs> sorry, could you just get him? Could you get your boss in here? And I'm like, I'm really sick. I'm actually the boss here. So it was a high level meeting, you know, and you don't expect, you don't expect things like that. So I think um, for me, my biggest regrets in this, in this journey, I mean, there are lots of regrets, but the biggest one for me is not speaking up really quickly about women and not empowering a lot of women. So I take up a lot of mentorship and I just tell them, do what you have to do. If you fail at an idea, please start up again, do something again. It doesn't really matter if you fail. So a lot of people are scared of failure. They don't want to put their hands on something and then, you know, make sure that they want to, they want to make sure that it works completely. Life by itself throws you challenges every day. And as a woman, it doesn't matter if you're a career woman and you want to also keep your family. Um, one of the changes I made quickly is the fact that at my place of work, as the you know our offices, women are allowed to bring their children to work. 
Wow. You know, you can keep the kids in a safe place if you want to. Sometimes you find that a lot of the kids grow up with the team members. So they think they're their uncles too, you know, because that's something that's prevalent in Nigeria. Oh, that's my uncle. I'm like, "Mm -mm, okay, keep it out (laughs) there for now. But it's just being able to just create that safe space for women, you know, to be able to live their dreams. I don't see why I should earn as much as a man. In fact, I'm not afraid I'm, I'm I'm only five three by the, by the way, and I'm pretty small. My average weight is about fifty six kg, but that doesn't deter me in any way. So I think that's one of the sermons I preach very quickly to say, "Oh, look at me! I'm pretty sure that when you you know saw an intro from me and you know you were introduced, you felt like I was some huge giant. I'm not. I'm this is all of me. There's nothing else left, you know. But I will do what I can do with you know what I already have. So I just think that women should come out more and you know. Be strong, you know, live their dreams. Don't be afraid to fail. Um, and I think that my biggest regret is not speaking up as early as I should have. Fantastic. Follow that, Oyen. Oh, wow. That was awesome to listen to. And I think a lot of women would, you know, be inspired by that. I think personally for me, one of the things I, I've learned over the over time, I mean, I've been in business for, um, officially for about four years now, is actually to do with hiring. Um, <laughs> um, you know, the, the, the journey of hiring the right people, you know, is is so important. And actually hiring slow um, and firing fast has been something that I've learned really hard. And I think another thing as well is really, really standing on what I want. You know, oftentimes as women, we don't really always say what we actually want and actually seeking out for help for that, you know, is really important and just going for it as well. You know, there's recently, you know, won a lot of awards and still like when people are like, oh my gosh, you are the Birmingham Businesswoman of the Year. I'm just like, sometimes free (laughs) so I'm just like um, yeah like you know and you know like I I free so I think it's kind of like really really appreciating the journey that I've been through appreciating the hard work that I've put in and also I'm celebrating the amount of lives that we've changed you know some people were earning like less than (laughs) <laughs> nothing uh, unemployed and now they're working at the likes of KPMG they're working at the likes of Goldman Sachs um, changing not just their lives but changing their children's lives so yeah just appreciating that has been something that I've learned I could I could speak more about the tears but we'll, we'll <laughs> leave it there <laughs> thank you so much for your time this morning it's been a really inspirational and enlightening conversation and, and one I look forward to continuing offline another day thank you That was Faith Adeshimeo of Social Lender and Oyan Adebayo of Neo Enterprise. If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate, review and subscribe or follow Beyond the Capital on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Hilary Smith-Allen. <laughs>